When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. Oh, I will. Ian Gillen is fucking amazing. Unlike this Wayne. Is being, All right. This meeting well, is Wayne likes awesome. Ghost, so, I mean, I'm not really too I shocked. like Ghost, too, but anyway, go ahead. But we have good taste. <laughs> no, I fuck this. No intro. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to fucking Red Sound Review. Today we're doing... What is that? Oh. Today we're doing... Black Sabbath versus uh, Never Say Die versus uh, Born Again. What are you showing? What are you showing me? I'm pissed off now. Greg, what are you showing him? (laughs) Yeah, keep that up the whole time so I don't have to see you. (laughs) (laughs) Turn the background off. Uh, Already we're starting off with a good... uh, Greg's right, looking a lot like Kim Thiel of Soundgarden lately. What's yeah, up with he that? Yeah, he like that? Close up. I just haven't shaved in a while. Okay. Uh, He's gonna break out of his rusty go. cage. <laughs> Actually, that uh, that relates to Never Say Die. Does it really? Yes, Kim Thiel always said the Black Sabbath album that influenced him the most was Never Say Die. What thing? That's crazy. Well, I mean, if you if you think about it, even though um, you know, bad Motorfinger isn't quite as half baked as Never Say Die is. <laughs> it is uh, very similar in the attempts, or or not the attempts, but in the way the songs are written. Hmm. But I finally got Coroner Grin first press on vinyl. What wow. uh, label were they on? Noise. Oh, they were? It only came out yep. in Germany in September of 93 on vinyl. They're nice. not easy to get. I've seen one for sale in the United States in the past five years, and I jumped on it. <laughs> Lift it up again? Where did you acquire that? Dude, that it's looks like in pristine condition. It is. There's a... Uh... There's some creases and shit on the cover, a little bit of wear from where someone had it in their shelf without a jacket. But um, I mean, from the look and the sound of it, I don't. It, it couldn't have been played all that much, if at all. Wow, that's awesome. But a lot of people don't like that record because they don't understand it. But then again, you know, I, they think is the greatest. I think it's a freaking through. great album. What the hell's wrong with people? I love Grin. Yeah, I said it was my favorite of the Corner albums. Mine's probably one uh, mental vortex or whatever the hell. Um, you know, that was the one that actually took me the longest to get into because it's like a transition between No More Color and Grin. No, No More Color is my favorite. I apologize. No More Color. That's my favorite. And the reason that's my favorite, I used to have a VHS tape that they actually put out of some show. Live in East Berlin. Crazy. Yeah, excellent show. It was the No More Color tour. Mm-hmm. And so I got into that album because of that of that VHS tape, which I no longer have, but, you know. Of course not. And I also brought this out finally. What is that? Voivod, Forgotten in Space, the box. Oh, out. wow. Oh, you got the vinyl. Oh, wait, wait. Hold up. What's on there? Uh, we have Roar on black and red splatter vinyl killing technology remastered on green and purple dimension hatros on gray and purple uh no speed limit weekend which was a very famous live demo tape from 86 on double and the dimension hatros demos along with a 40 page book that chronicles the noise years history of voivod the Chaos Mongers DVD, which includes a documentary, a bunch of live videos, all their music videos from back then, and a USB drive shaped like 
Corgo the exterminator here that includes all the music. No, oh, dude, that's cool. Um, to mention Hey Trost or whatever, that's my favorite Voivod album, I think. I can't believe they, they toured with Soundgarden and Faith No More buying that album. What's even that more amazing is who really is the headliner, Greg? Cool I yeah. mean, Louder uh, louder Than Love and uh, Real Thing Tour, along with Dimension A Trust. That's cool. And yeah. who was the headliner? Wasn't it Voivod, right? It was Voivod. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy when you think about it? The, the George well, Fullen, who Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Epic hadn't really hit yet. And Soundgarden was still on Sub Pop out of Seattle. So, no, it, it does make sense in the fact that Voivod was the bigger band of the three at that point in time. Yeah, George Fullen, who produced my wife's CD, Beneath the Curtain, um, was at that show when it came to uh, Long Island. It played at the Sundance in Bayshore, which was like the big hard rock heavy metal club out in uh, Long Island. And uh, he said that was like one of the best shows that he's ever seen. Oh, hell yeah, I believe it. Well, I don't want to upstage you, uh, Greg, with all your new acquired music listening you got there. You but, can't uh, be. Depends correct. on your definition of upstaging. I, I got the new Ghost EP. All for the love of On God. vinyl and CD. I have uh, that did, did on we, CD. We, we fucking got to start over now. You can't and, show and, that. And it came with stickers. After Grin and Forgotten in Space box set. It came with stickers, too. Mine didn't come with fucking <laughs> stickers, man. <laughs> I'm a ghost fan, and I didn't. I was not keen on the CP at all. No, the EP. Sucks. You know, you're I not got, the only one. Something better though. I, I did get the new Metal Church. Oh, that's metal. cool. Yeah, it came with uh, guitar picks and some stickers and an autographed booklet. So is it a jewel cool. case or is it that shitty digi pack everyone that releases? It's a jewel case. Okay, oh, good. Rest in peace, Kirk Arrington. And while we're at it, rest in peace, Tina Turner. Yes, Ghost killed Tina Turner. They oh, Jesus the, Christ. They listened oh, to the cover song and then she sake. died. God Too damn, soon, dude. too soon. <laughs> uh, anyway. I, yeah, I was waiting for someone to post that on Facebook, and I'm not surprised it was you, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised somebody else didn't do it. Actually, Ralph Vieira posted a picture of uh, RuPaul and said, uh, rest in peace, Tina Turner. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't blame him for doing that, because like you know, a lot of people jump on the, oh, rest in peace, yes, recent absolutely. celebrity that no one was talking about until their demise. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll be the first to say I wasn't talking about Tina Turner, but I will say I was a fan. And if you've you been were. on my page forever, you've seen I posted her music before. Of course you have. Yes. Huh. I've seen all the stuff that you listen to. And we do have all this passive aggressive. Of course you have. I ever heard out of anyone. And I'm married <laughs> to, to a woman who's who, who, who's mother. My mother-in-law is from Hicksville by way of Queens. So I know passive aggressive. You want the nanny? You go to. <laughs> I know passive aggressive. And that was passive aggressive, Wayne. Well, yeah, it was Wayne, you bastard. Anyway, go he ahead. listens to a lot of different stuff. Uh, yeah, but you like, hate uh, you're a musical pygmy because you're about to put down Ian Gillen. Can we so say anyway, pygmy? <laughs> pygmy, yes. Uh, well, 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 here I, I can prove something here real quick. It's my theory that uh, at least a quarter of the American population is retarded. Sample size here: there's four of us. We have good taste. Wayne's retarded. That's one fourth. <laughs> Yeah. Theory <laughs> uh, well, that and was, thus, uh, social show. Darwinism takes into effect, ladies and gentlemen. We will see you guys next week. Uh, right oh, come on. You want to call you ambulance? You want no. a piece of wine with that oh, cheese? I, Wait, I, so I, to me. I will say I'm happy to hear that you uh, enjoy Gren as much as Lou and I do, Wayne. Yeah, no, it's it is a good album. I like that one. It's because it's a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, more mainstream ish sounding for them. So that's probably why I like it a little bit more. Not mainstream, but you know what I mean. It's more. It's no, I um, I get it, and I that's one of the things that really annoys me about reading some of these retrospective reviews from these younger guys. You know, everybody likes to bring up fucking Pantera. Coroner doing Grin in 93 and Sepultura doing KSAD in 93 had absolutely nothing to do with that. That is where they were moving already. And that's one of the cool things about Coroner is you can hear that natural evolution on each record. Right. And Terry even huge in uh, where are Coroner for him? Where are they from? Switzerland. 
was Pantera even meaning anything in Switzerland at that time? Not probably then. not. No, I didn't think so. I mean, I know internationally they're huge now, but I'm talking about back then, you know. No, I don't. Uh, yeah, Switzerland in the 90s, death metal was the big thing. I, I don't right. even think Coroner was probably still on the radar in their home country, unfortunately, in 93. Matter of fact, both Mental Vortex and Grin were recorded and mixed and produced down at Morris Sound in Tampa. Yeah, I've been there before. Um, it's really cool, but disappointing because you're expecting something grand. It's just a damn studio. No. Very rude. You're talking it, with your mouth. It looks right like now. someone gutted their aunt's house and turned it into a music studio, actually. <laughs> the first time I ever went there, I was like, this is it? Okay. Well, not only that, <laughs> when you look at the neighborhood it's in, you know, so not the nicest one, I guess. No, no. Ah. Ian Gillen certainly wouldn't be seen there. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Ian Gillen? Uh, I just want to say hi, hello to the person in the chat room. Uh, I believe it's Mark Williams. And, and I cannot pronounce your band name. Uh, when you do come on Rat Style Review, we talk about your band. We will talk about how you pronounce your band. I say Venon. Maybe. I don't know. What the? F- What's the name no of the idea. band? I look at the chat. I don't know. He's See, not looking at it. Uh, Mark, if you could, um, I don't know how. To, like, can you phonetically pronounce your band name yes. in the chat, please? Yes, do that so we can do so it. So what, uh, Wayne? So is it true that Severed Angel will become the Wayne Noon Experience? Uh, very it, no, not if I have anything to say about it. <laughs> no, it's going to be Wayne Noon Severed Angel. <laughs> or <laughs> Severed Angel featuring Wayne Noon. Great, oh, that's something I've always aspired to be. A band like L.A. Guns. Great. Oh, God, but uh, let's get to what we are supposed to be talking about tonight, and that is Never Say Die and Dead Again. Uh, Born, Born Again. again. Sorry. Sorry, I wish I was dead again. Um, after listening to Born Again, well, what do you want to oh, do first? Fucker, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> well, might as well go in sequence. You, you, All right, we'll go in sequence. Just take I mean, I do give you a lot of crap about certain things, but I've never said anything super horrible about Halloween, even the stuff I didn't like. You can't just take a record that fucking changed my life and shit all over my happiness like this without expecting some backlash. I mean, this is like when they canceled the Choco Taco. <laughs> they canceled the Choco Taco? I didn't even yeah, know they canceled ago. the Choco Taco. God damn. Is yeah, there no God? Like two years ago. I've been, yeah. I've been no so God? busy celebrating the return of the Mexican pizza. Yeah. The right. Mexican pizza has returned? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, and that's and he, called comic timing. Mark said you got it right, Cole, but that's Manny, actually. Um, he's using somebody else's computer there. <laughs> but that's Manny. So you got it right. You got the band's name right. What? Did he pronounce it? No, I guess you did. I did. I said gave Venon. All right. All right, Lou. I mean, I'm Lou. Anyway, go ahead. It doesn't matter. Uh, so anyway... Uh, never say die. Uh, I do like it. I, I, one well, thing I, I wait, 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 before you start. No, no, I, I, I don't want to cut you off because of your opinion, but hmm. Lou came up with this one and I've been dying to hear his rationale behind this just because they're so diametrically opposed. All right, so yeah, then, they are. Then go ahead. So, go ahead. Go so ahead. Lou, what kind of did. drugs were you on when you came up with this? Go ahead, please. Um, Losartan, Metformin, uh, okay. <laughs> um, he was cheesing hard, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Why they call it cheesing? Because it's fun to do. Um, <laughs> the, the reason why I picked this one was because, um, as you guys know, and some of the Rats I Review faithful, all <clears throat> 10 of you, um, Black Sabbath is my uh, all-time favorite band. Um, I don't discriminate in terms of lineup because, to me, well, with the exception of 13, but as long as Iomi is playing on it, it's relevant to me. Um, Never Say Die was an album that I constantly listened to because it was the only Sabbath tape of my brothers that after a while didn't break. So because we all listened to them ad nauseum. So I listened to it repeatedly. And, you know, when you're a single digit age kid, you know, you you love it. You know, it's it's the the music is to me it was fun. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like when I first heard Never Say Die and I'd bop like this. And, and of course, I'm going to bop like this. I'm four years old listening to it. Um, so, the, so the, you know, uh, for me, it, it, it is a relevant album, even though a lot of critics who were around when the album was brand new, who when there was like with those those bootleg uh, biography DVDs that came out, a lot of them said that Never Say Die was the worst uh, it, it was it was it was the end of Black Sabbath, which I disagree with. And I'm not trying to go into revisionist history about it. I disagree with it, too. And now. now so I love the album. I'll, I'll make I'll make that be known. Now, Born Again was the first Black Sabbath album that I remember listening to when it was brand new. So it's an album that has uh, a lot of relevance for me as well. Also, considering the fact that here you have two albums, three members on this uh, on both albums that are the same. Tony Iommi, Geezer Butler, Bill Ward, both with different singers. You know, you have, you know, everyone talks about the Black Sabbath, Deep Purple Connection, you know, like how like every band is somehow uh, related to Black Sabbath and Deep Purple. Well, I figured let me get the last album that they did with Ozzy and put it against the only album they did with Ian Gillen and see what people think about it. Was Never Say Die the end of the original lineup as we know it? For I mean, like, you know, was it really the death toll? And also does it, you know, and the reason why I brought Born Again into it is because it's such a dark horse of an album. You'll hear Sabbath fans say it's their favorite album. You'll hear a lot of Sabbath fans say that they love that album. And then you'll have people who just kind of shit on it whenever they get the chance for whatever reason. Looking Um, at you, Wayne. I'm not not looking at anybody. So, you know, I kind of thought, all right, well, let's put them against each other and see which one um, holds more weight. Okay. Good rationale. Hmm. Thanks. And, uh, Wayne, uh, do you want to go next to tell us how wrong you are? Or we oh, well, we're going to start with Never Say Die. Never Say Die, I think, is, isn't is bad. I The one thing I don't care for is how, like Greg mentioned before, it's a lot um, it's a lot different sounding from the previous uh, Black Sabbath albums. It's a little bit happier, a little bit more upbeat. They sound sounding. like you're trying to be foreigner. I mean, yeah. the, let's let's be honest. And even Iomi admits it. They, they really were. Yeah. <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing, because, you know, it's, a, it's nice to hear them change a little bit, you know, in, in, in a sound, because I love the first song, Never Say Die. I mean, that's a, a really great song. It's one of my top favorite Black Sabbath songs. Um, but the rest of it, I don't know, just kind of just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. The only other song I really like on that album is uh, Air Dance, because it and, and I hate like. You know, guy, you guys know I hate jazz stuff, but there's yeah, like some, I'm surprised to hear you like that. There's a lot yeah, of jazzy stuff too. in the in the middle of that song, and the way they do it, it's just I don't know, I like it. It's it's really cool. And, but it's and, Black uh, Sabbath doing Steely Dan. How could you like it? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's yeah, well. Know. Where where is Wayne? Where where did he go? Because this is not <laughs> Wayne. <laughs> he but, was taken uh, up with Nick Fury by the Skrulls. No, just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Why you guys don't like that song? I, I think that song. Really no, cool. I love Air Dance. I like it. I we're just shocked that you like it. It's just it's different coming from them because that's not something I, I would expect uh, them. To are do. you are you sure that Tina Turner's passing did not affect it? Your is grief? it has really affected me today? And that's I, what I thought. I, it I might not that. even be me here right now. I, I'm somewhere else. I'm I'm in the. I don't know. I get it. You're wishing it was like that beat you. I understand. Yeah. Okay. I understand, along. Wayne, but remember, we don't need another hero. Anyway, go ahead. Please. <laughs> but we do need another way home. Um, so, yeah. Take I me mean, the Thunderdome. <laughs> I, that's the movie I was trying to think. Um, but, yeah. It's, Who it's, runs Barter Town? I, I, Master yeah, Blaster I the, runs <laughs> I wish there was some more songs on this album that uh, really stood out more to me, but uh, most of it is just kind of like in, any, in one ear, not the other to me. I think so. It's not interesting. It doesn't do much for me, this album. Go ahead, Greg. No, that's kind of the same way I feel about it, too. Um, I mean, Lou had mentioned some of the retrospective reviews, or not retrospective, but the original ones from back in the day. Well, I don't think it's, what did Rolling Stone call it, an unmitigated disaster. It's not that bad, but no. 
Rock Rolling Stone. Anyway, go ahead. It's definitely the weakest of the original eight. And you can, as much as I do like some of it, and even as much as you love it, Lou, I mean, you have to admit, it does sound like a death knell. Um, the, The title track's a great example. It's super bright and poppy, and the four of them just sound like they're phoning it in, really. I mean, it's got a great rhythm line, guitar riff and all that, but there's there's just no passion. It sounds like a joke, like Mm. never say die, but (laughs) yeah, this is it. But um, uh, Junior's Eyes, I think, is one of the best songs they ever wrote. That's a real cool one. For, For the most part, outside of A Hard Road, which is an okay song, and just about everything on this, aside from maybe over to you I think would have been a lot better if they'd had more time to spend on the writing and all that it's just they were in a bad spot there was a lot of drugs involved they were on the verge of breaking up they really didn't know what they were doing and I think that kind of comes through with the fact that a lot of it sounds unfinished because even for me as many times as I've heard it I had to look at a lot of these song titles and I had to listen to it a couple times because a lot of it runs together for me. I mean, I love Junior's Eyes. I remember that one. Uh, Shockwave, the title track. Uh, and Air Dance. Uh, Air Dance is really cool because it is like Sabbath plays Zappa. But um, a change needed to happen. They probably could have taken a break and come back and been fine. But uh, for Black Sabbath, this, it's... It's still a good album, but it's it's subpar. It sounds unfinished. Greg, um, as Manny, I uh, I like the album, and I'll disagree with one thing about what Greg said. My least favorite album from the original eight would be Technical Ecstasy. I used to dislike that album. Now I like it, but for years I didn't like it. I like Never Say Die. I don't love it, but I, I like the title track. Um, it's almost like what pop metal would become just a couple of years down the road. I always liked Johnny Blade. Um, I like and I like, yeah. And I like Junior's Eyes. I love that. I like the lyrics to Junior's Eyes and Johnny Blade. And the other thing that we forgot to mention was right before the recording of the album, Ozzy quit because he wanted to be a solo artist. Then he realized he hadn't met Sharon yet. So he went back to Black Sabbath. And at the time, they had hired this guy named uh, Dave, Dave Walker. Walker. Actually, yeah. actually, that's not 100% true. Yes, Ozzy was thinking of going solo, but he actually quit the band for three months because he was so out of his mind on the booze and his dad died at the same time, which is why once he came back into the band, the lyrics to Junior's Eyes completely morphed from what they did to Dave Walker to being about Ozzy's father's death. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think originally the songs Iomi wrote them with Dave Walker's voice in his head. Um, I don't know how many they wrote, but then Ozzy refused to perform most of them from my understanding, my reading. So they basically went in the, in the studio and cobbled this thing together because um, they didn't really have any songs. It sounds like the production was hurried. It sounds like they were all on drugs from everything I've read. Um, you know, Iomi was drafted as a producer because just because he who was he's Tony Iomi. They didn't I don't know why they didn't hire anybody or if they even looked for anybody. You know, my, my favorite quote about that is in his book when he, he he's talking about having to get it done and write the songs and get it recorded. And he's like man, we would just all show up and be sitting in the middle of the rehearsal room just doing drugs and not getting anything done. And we'd be like, ah, fuck it. We'll work on it tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I I think it's a decent album. It's, uh, I like the fact, as Wayne pointed out, I like when a band experiments. Doesn't mean I like it, but I do like the fact that they take chances. Unless your initials are ACDC, you should take a chance. ACDC doesn't have to. They stay the same. That's fine. But I like I like some of the stuff they did. Like, uh, what's the last song on the album? Um, Swing in the, the Chain. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, was, yeah, I remember that song. Do I, I think it's on by Bill song? Ward? Is that's okay. Bill Ward singing, by the way. Yeah. Do I don't think it's a great song, but it's it's interesting that it's kind of a heavy song, but it's not a traditionally sounding Black Sabbath song. Um, Never Say Die is very melodic. I'm just looking at the track listing. Hard Road sounds incomplete. It's not a bad song, mm-hmm. but it sounds like I only just, all right, I'm done. You know, so probably another mistake is I feel like they let Ozzy write some of the lyrics um, and like over to you. Anyway, again, doesn't sound complete. Basically the album, I don't care what Rolling Stone says. It's better for blacks. The thing is by black Sabbath standards, any line of a black Sabbath, this is not, you know, doesn't measure up. And especially when you point to the first uh, six albums, at least, which change the face of music, then you get to this, you know, but the music industry was different then. I mean, you didn't get a break back then. You toured, recorded, toured, recorded. Um, you were forced to create. You didn't have time to craft 12 songs or whatever. I mean, these guys literally went into the studio and and made this up. Uh, Air Dance is interesting, but it sounds incomplete. I think the first four songs on the album, or three, was sounded complete. And uh, which one did they record originally or started working with, with uh, Dave Walker? It was or, Junior's Eyes. Junior's Eyes, and I know they started Johnny Blade with him, but I don't know if they ever actually completed the song. Well, that's another interesting song, Johnny Blade. It sounds like it begins with Synthesizer, right? It does. It is. I think that's Don Airy. Honestly, I... Yes, it is Don Airy. Uh, Don Airy actually originally came in to play either bass or drums because either Butler or Ward, they weren't sure, or wait a minute. Don't confuse it with Heaven and Hell because they brought in Craig Gruber of Elf to... Uh, that's right, that's right. I'm thinking of Jeff Nichols that came in and was going to play for Terry when they were getting ready to do it. Never mind. Um, but uh, I really I really like Johnny Blade and it really truly does sound like Sabbath does Foreigner, but Manny had mentioned technical ecstasy, and one of the reasons why I like technical ecstasy a lot more than Never Say Die is because they were experimenting, but they had enough time to finish and collate these ideas into something that was more in line with Sabbath. I mean, there's passages on here where Tony doesn't really sound like Tony. Yeah, I agree. Uh, matter of fact, uh... Swing the chain is swinging the chain is a perfect example of that. You know, you know what's a real shame about that song is yeah. that it totally harkens back to the first album. If they had had the time to finish it, that could have been as great as Wasp behind the wall of sleep. You know that instrumental jam before NIB starts on the first album. Yeah, well, sonically too, it doesn't sound. You know, you can tell it's Black Sabbath because the way Ozzy sings. And his vocals sound great on it, which is amazing considering what, what state he was in. Interesting. You thought so? Yeah. Like on Never Say Die, Johnny Blade. There's no I've... way he could hit those notes nowadays, but Johnny Blade. Uh, Interesting. And, and Junior's Eyes, too. Uh, that synthesizer part in the beginning, That's I guess I didn't realize that was Don Airy. Thank you, guys. And it goes into that, you know, kind of that uh, drum, doom, you know, I thought that was very interesting. And again, if Iomi had more time to work on it, um, it would. I think it would have been an amazing album. I think it's a good album. It's not a great album. And I think touring with Van Halen. Now, I don't totally believe those stories. Van Halen totally blew them away. I think they stole a lot of their thunder. But I think also that Van Halen was pointing a new way. And I think Iomi kind of saw the writing on the wall. So he was trying to move the band in some sort of direction. When Dio came in, that's more natural to what Iomi writes because he had a co-writer, I, Dio. You know, but um, I like the album. I don't love it. I think it's it's interesting. And um, it's definitely a, a, that technical ecstasy of the original 
it definitely is the oddball in their discography, in my opinion. What's with the album cover? What the hell is that on there? Two air I, No one knows, but originally the album cover was supposed yeah. to be the one that ended up being on it's Rainbow's Difficult to Cure. Right, right, right. What? So, yeah, yeah, the Difficult to Cure album cover that was supposed to be the original cover of Never Say Die, but it never happened. Is there um, no end to the, no, re- the connection between Black it. Sabbath and Deep Purple? I mean, nope. are there no end ending to these connections? Well, nope, nope. And oddly enough, uh, Glenn Hughes is going on tour this summer with Ingvay Malmsteen, so. <laughs> which is kind of cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. it would be cool. Yeah, it would be if it wasn't Malmsteen. But... <laughs> so, all right. So I, I'm gonna come at this as objectively as I can. Um, no, don't be objected. Just we're not critics. You know, go ahead. No, I mean, I, I will be the first to admit that it's the weakest of the original eight because it just sounds like a band that w- didn't have confidence in its own material. And to call it Never Say Die is that I think them taking the piss out of it. Um, That's what Geezer said. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with him. Um, you know, I mean, swinging the chain, you're, I agree with you guys' statement that, you know, if there was more planning behind it, it could have been a killer epic um, closer, album closer, but it just sounds like, you know, here they are going from like this bluesy swing to all of a sudden, like, where did that come from? Like, wh- there was no bridge there, you know? <laughs> it just goes, yeah. Yeah. So you know, it, it doesn't make any sense to quote Johnny Cochran. Um, the, <laughs> One, one good thing about it, though, as jarring as the saxophone and the breakout and uh, yeah. some of swinging the chain can be, at least there's no jump on technical ecstasy like with Rock and Roll Doctor, where all of a sudden you go from Sabbath doom to a fucking barroom boogie piano. <laughs> Speaking of which, who's playing the sax on that tune? Who? Anybody know? Uh, no, but Will Malone, the guy that it is Will Malone, he did the brass arrangements and Will Malone was the producer of Iron Maiden self-titled debut. That's interesting. I did not know that. So you could thank or blame him for it. Anyway, depending on your uh, how you feel. But um, yeah, Breakout was just like, where's this going? (laughs) I mean, I, I, I have to give a shout out to Ralph Vieira because his review of Never Say Die, the only thing that he had to say about Breakout was he had a pachyderm next to the gigantic pile of shit that had just come out of its system and said, this is what I think of Breakout, and he showed the pachyderm. Um, And, uh, you know, when I was a kid listening to Straightforward, Never Say Die, Johnny Blade, uh, Junior's Eyes, um, Hard Road, and shockwave and air dance you know i six songs that i still love to this day i i mean i i love paranoid but i think i'm just burnt out on it so i look forward to making the sabbath playlist and having air dance or shockwave on there just because like you know it's 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 not as overexposed so you know it's safe for me to say that this is the album that I keep going back to just because, you know, because it hasn't been overexposed. So it hasn't kind of been, you know, ruined for me from by jackass critics who say, you know, oh, uh, you know, this is this is I don't care for critics reviews. So the fact that they kind of leave this album alone, you know, thank you for that. Um, But I I do I do love it. the one thing I noticed is that Tony Iommi, I mean, he was the main producer of this record and I love Iommi, but I'll be the first to say this. He's great at producing music, but he's not a good producer. If makes that sense. makes any sense. Yeah. yeah, it does. It makes sense. You know, there's it, a different it, art form to producing than there is creating, you know? So, yeah. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say that anytime that I've ever recorded anything, I was, never under the influence of anything. Um, I think by this point, yeah, the chemicals got to them, you know, 
but I still love the album. I think I think it's I think it's criminally underrated. And 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 I even like over to you and I do like swinging the chain breakouts, the one throwaway track for me. Like, I just don't get it. But um, yeah, no, I, 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 I like the album, too. I, uh... But but I will say this technical SEC was definitely more of a Sabbath album um, in terms of sound. Well, I mean, even, uh, you know, one of my favorite songs on it, which is not a traditional Sabbath song at all, because it's it's very funky, much like Burn Era Deep Purple, to go mm-hmm. back to that. But uh, all moving parts stand still. You know, they took something that was totally outside of their wheelhouse and owned it and it came out great. And I, I agree. Just, I just don't <laughs> think they were cohesive enough to complete a lot of that here which is why i find it interesting when uh manny said what he did about ozzy because even though i do like this record i i can't go so far as to say as it's criminally underrated even though i do like it a lot just because it's black sabbath and as good as it is and as much as there are good surprises if you really deeply listen to it it's it's just it's weak compared to most of their other material but um ozzy for me on this he only sounds like he comes alive on junior's eyes other than that he just kind of sounds like he's reading off a performance for a paycheck well i've think, always yeah go ahead you go, no, you go ahead Liv. i i mean look I, I, i'm gonna flat out say it as much as i love ozzy and you know as much as diary of a madman is one of my favorite albums of all time i'll be the first to say it um, aside from the vocal delivery, dead weight. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I, I mean, the rhythm section of Sabbath drives them. Iomi's riffs drives them. Yes, Ozzy's vocal delivery drives them. But I mean, you know, he's reading Geezer's lyrics. Ozzy, Ozzy's, vo- Ozzy's vocal performance, I don't feel ever drove them. It's. It accentuates and follows along with the music and adds a dimension, but he's not a Ronnie James Dio. He's not an Ian Gillen. He isn't this explosive force. No, I don't no. hate Ozzy. He was definitely very good and necessary for Sabbath as they were um, coming up, but it, I really think it was important he left. I don't think the other three could have moved forward with him still being around. Definitely, I think I, I think Ozzy though is uh, the the strength of him being in Black Sabbath. Besides him being a, a great frontman, which you guys covered, is the fact that unlike Dio and unlike Ian Gillen and unlike Glenn Hughes and even unlike Tony Martin, he's not a songwriter. I'm not saying he doesn't contribute. He contributes melody. Oh, he didn't much. <laughs> yeah, but but he um, but I mean could throw could experiment with him simply because Ozzy didn't have much input as as a as an as a musician as a writer so you know he could do stuff like never say die or changes or you know things like that where I'm not sure that Dio and I'm not putting down Dio because I love the Dio era or Ian Gillen would have been um would have been as willing if, you know, to experiment with the songwriting as, as Ozzy was. Again, I'm not putting... Those guys are also different. It's shocking they were even in the same band, truthfully. But See, it's, it, it's funny you say that, though, because... And I, I love Sabbath. I've read a lot of the books, the interviews. Yeah. Ozzy wasn't very willing. Most of that shit, it was very hard for them to get him to do. And there was a lot of other things where they wanted to experiment more, and he would flat out say... I'm not singing that. I'm surprised because he always complains how afraid he was of uh, Tony Iommi. So, well, cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> well, my favorite story of, of that Tony Iommi book was um, they were playing a club and some guy was picking on Ozzy and was about to beat him up. And Tony gets mad, knocks the guy out. And Ozzy's just standing there, and Tony is putting equipment in the van. And Iomi just goes, "Well, get on with it." <laughs> you know, like I've just knocked this guy out. Now let's go. You know, no. 
Well, anyway, I I like the album, but um, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm in between where, um, and again, both of you said you like the album, and Wayne, who is wherever like he that, went, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he said he liked the album. I um, I guess we all feel the same way about it, you know. It's it's an, it's definitely an interesting listen, um, which is a lot more than I can say for a lot of bands that had the tenure of Black Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to be applauded and loved here, but I mean, overall, it's above average slightly, but that's about it. I, I, I don't think it's this great masterful hidden gem but it's definitely interesting and had some good songs Anna. no you're right and I, again my love for it could probably be purely nostalgic and i'll be the first to admit it um i don't put it up as one of the best sabbath albums but uh i do have love for it oh me too that's amazing you guys mentioned technical ecstasy because in some and you went and greg you mentioned a song that i would have pointed out being the least Black Sabbath of that original lineup, all moving parts stand still. As you point out, it's got that funk part, you know, somewhat to it. And and even the lyrics, you know, about, you know. <laughs> President well, who's it, a transvestite. Yeah, actually, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. It is a very, very good piss take at American society in the mid to late 70s. Which Very is, yeah, creative on Geezer's part. Yeah, he, and I was trying to look at the other songs on here. There's a song that Bill Ward sang on there. Yeah, it's, it's all, all right. right. It's all right. Yeah. Um, rock and Roll Doctor, which I sounded I better with Ian Gillen. I yes, I was going to say the ironic thing there is again with Ian Gillen. I don't think that song ever sounded good until Ian sang it live on the Born Again tour. She's gone is really synth heavy, and I was trying to find out who played the synth. It's actually a Mellotron. And oh, is that I, is that Iomi? I believe so. Okay, um, I love that song. I am admittedly not a big fan of changes. Mostly because of Ozzy's delivery. I mean, it's it's decent, it's haunting, but um, I really think "She's Gone" is the Sabbath ballad where he shines the most. There is so much emotion in that tune; it's fucking great. And and Backstreet Kids off oh, "Dirty Women" that song on the album. Oh yeah, and well, that's the only one I believe is is was still in the set way later on. Um, Backstreet Kids. That doesn't sound like Sabbath to me. I mean, obviously it is Black Sabbath, but um, God, what were the damn lyrics of that damn song? I've got the feeling Ozzy wrote it. Nobody I know will ever take my rock and roll away from me. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Anyway. Um, you, uh, you Won't Change Me, the second tune is the other song I absolutely love on that album. That's yeah, it's a killer track. Yeah. I don't and, mind Rocket um Rock and Roll Doctor. No, Backstreet Kids. I think it's oh. okay, but lyrically I, I was never interested in geezer attempting to write kiss like lyrics. That's all. Hmm. You know. I just can't believe that Dirty Women was the one song that they played in later tours from this album. Oh, dude, I mean the, the riffs and the playing and the solo and that, well, that, that so second half of that longer that. than the whole rest of that record. Honestly, I can yeah. totally see why it's one of Iomi's favorites and why it kept popping back up. Well, that well, riff well, at the end, dirty women. Oh man. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wayne's back. So we can talk born again now. <laughs> yeah. Wayne, there you are, Wayne. Did you Sorry. go and listen to some Born Again while we were talking about Never Say Die? <laughs> I did. Uh, and I shut it off immediately. Uh, oh, I thought you meant to say that you flushed uh, it. Okay, go ahead. What, what? Okay, Wayne, obviously, now that you you're, uh, got back from rehab, what are your thoughts on Born Again? <laughs> no, my, uh, my washing machine overflowed, so I had to take care of that. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's, well, that's, that's what fun. happens when you say talk shit about Ian Gillen. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> actually, go ahead, I, I thought I saw him go through the laundry room. Uh, yeah, this album sucks, uh, Greg. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, um, I mean, oh, go ahead. 
I don't like Ian Gillen. No, he ruins this entire album uh, with his screaming and the yelling. When he's not screaming and yelling, he's fine. But as soon as he starts screaming and yelling, it's terrible. Is your house on fire? It looks like it's on fire with all that smoke you got in there, Luke. No, I'm good. Right. Um, <laughs> the only song I do like on here is Zero the Hero. That one's pretty cool. Um, and oh, you mean Paradise Hero. City Part 1? Yeah. <laughs> and I only would actually also rip off the riff and rhythm line himself later and reuse it on uh, Get a Grip on the Forbidden album. Forbidden mm. is a now that's a terrible album, but anyway, continue. Still better than uh, 13. Go ahead, Wayne. Yeah. Yes. And I, I don't like the sound of this album. It sounds like they recorded it inside of a bathroom. It's sounds like shit. It's terrible. Um, yeah, well, that's I, funny. That's IO meaning Ian Gillen's biggest complaint about it is to, was it the mix or the production, Greg? The production, of it, this album it, it was, it was the mix. Um, I actually have the manor tapes, the original mix of the album. Um, so they they all well they had been friends for a long time but they got together after the whole fiasco with Dio leaving and just kind of partied and decided they wanted to do an album together and started jamming in uh, Clearwell Castle. Bill finally got sober, showed up, and they just had a load of fun. And I don't remember what they originally wanted to title the project now, but it wasn't originally supposed to be called Black Sabbath which is actually very ironic because it is totally a Sabbath record. But um, they turned it into Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers remixed it and threw the Black Sabbath name on it and told them all, tough shit. <laughs> well, it is Black Sabbath, so I, uh, you know, anyway. Well, it, it, I, think, I think it had more to do at the time with... The three of them felt kind of weighted down by the name, and they were almost trying to prove they could do something else successful without the name. I don't think Geezer and Bill so much cared, but I know Tony and Ian were the most pissed off about it. Yeah. It was their most uh, successful album chart-wise in the UK, though, actually, reached number four. And I think it was their most successful album here for decades until maybe 13 or maybe Dehumanizer. I didn't look up the numbers, but um, I saw that tour when I was 13. We'll talk about that in a minute. But And we're going to talk about why Wayne is wrong about everything. <laughs> but, <laughs> in a minute. Um, but any anyway, with the mix, yeah, it, it was different from how they originally intended it to sound. And um there's really never been an answer as to why <laughs> it was changed from how they originally had done it. You'll have to send me the other mix because maybe I can change my opinion if I hear it differently. I doubt it. I doubt it too because, uh, yeah, Eden Gillen's on it. How the hell, Wayne, do you like He's all those sissy burger singers in those power metal bands singing about knights and dragons and all this other <laughs> horse shit and they sing like they've got their balls in a vice but in gillen you're like oh my god what's that screeching oh he's terrible because they can do it in tune and with the music he's well, just he's like all over the place disturbing the priest no, soaring screams that just fit it perfectly yeah I, I, the, the the production makes it worse because it's just it's just noise everywhere it's just a wall of fucking noise and just it's screaming and yelling beautiful. it's like i'm it's in church beautiful. it's like i'm in church <laughs> i like the Grandma shitty production i do too that's part of the charm of the damn thing yeah. to me it sounds like that to me the same thing with maiden's first album i love the raw production of it and but it, it know, sounds good that's the difference you can hear the instruments. This just is like it's just like a wall of reverb, and it not, you can't hear anything. It's just noise. Yeah, you can. You know what you can hear? The awesomeness is what you yeah. hear. <laughs> yeah, I, I think my ears hear. are still bleeding. There's still blood coming out of my my left ear, <laughs> and I think from my my anus too. I think there's blood dripping up. Well, I, don't I don't know what you're putting your anus. Prison, <laughs> you don't need to talk about your. I feel like I was anally raped after I listened to this album. And I and I've listened to this album quite a few times because Greg 
always raves about this album and it's like i, I rave about it too i love the album and um yeah so i just i just it just never clicks with me i could just never get into anything on this album for some reason it's just uh, ozzy said it was his fo- his favorite post ozzy sabbath album really well maybe that maybe now i've got to change my mind but no i'm <laughs> just kidding i I'm love sure the album being sarcastic um, no he was probably being serious he's probably high on cocaine when he said it but yeah, yeah. i love the album um of course i've got a bias too because i saw the tour when i was 13 in lakeland civic center um quiet riot was the quiet opening band riot opening up quiet riot um uh, they didn't have the stone hedges that you see that they make fun of, rightfully so, on that tour. Because it was 45 feet high and could barely fit into any building in the world. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that at the time. I just, it was a, I, I remember the stage. It it almost is a sold out show from what I remember. And um, the stage is bare and there was a bunch of smoke and, uh, you can tell Ian Gillen sometimes didn't know the words of some of the classics. Um, Cause every once in a while he'd be singing, uh, finish with my woman. Ah, you know, cause he wouldn't remember. He just <laughs> they, had, they had to write them down on the floor and he said he couldn't see them under the dry ice. <laughs> yeah. Well, that I remember a lot of dry ice, but it was definitely a no frills show. There was no, yeah, it, but it was excellent, and I loved it. And so you saw the little person in the devil makeup, no. the baby devil? No, that I didn't lasted, see that. That lasted two shows, and it never made it out of the UK. Gillen and Iomi were appalled, and the second <laughs> night, they promptly removed the mattress the poor little bastard was supposed to fall on. He broke his legs, and it was never brought back. <laughs> I just think that it's funny that the Stonehenge set Geezer Butler purposely put it in feet, but they made it in meters. It was Don Arden. <laughs> oh, it was Don Arden that did that. Oh, okay. It, it, all of that was Don Arden's idea. It was not none of it would run past Sabbath at first. You know what I think is sad is Black Sabbath probably would have been able to hold on to their success if Ian Gillen had stayed. I don't think it would have stayed anyway because Deep Purple was calling, but. Even if Deep Purple wasn't calling, I don't think he would have stayed. I, um, I think Iomi and him as as songwriters probably would have. No, um, they, they both talked very fondly of each other and stayed friends. And from everything I've read that they've said, they did intend to make another record. But um, the Purple reunion came up, and Iomi told him, "Yeah, do it." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. Um... You know, I, Iomi was on Gillen's uh, 2006 solo album, Gillen's In, and oh, yeah, uh, they also that. released a couple singles together. So, no, they're they're still on very friendly terms. But, you know, Ian's, Ian's uh, lyrics for Sabbath were oh. anything unlike. Oh, that's um, an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> the farthest thing from Sabbath lyrics that you could expect with with. Maybe with the exception of disturbing the priest. I mean, that was that was a, a pretty freaking evil song. And, oh, I love uh, the that most song. evil thing Sabbath has ever recorded. Evil yeah. sounding, anyway. I'm I agree. At the beginning. Yeah, but but uh, you know, other than that, it's like, uh, well, let's face it. Ian Gillen sounds like a drunk hornball with those lyrics. <laughs> you know, it's 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 Sabbath and em- almost embracing L.A. You know, Sunset Strip. Uh, well, only on Hotline and Keep It Warm. Well, Digital Bitch is kind of, I love that song, but that's kind of ridiculous. And you know? we don't know if that's <laughs> about Darren from the Digital either. Bitch. Yeah. You know? And um, then there's one song, I think maybe the second or third song, he's kind of like trying to rap or something over what? music. It sounds what? like he's trying to rap. He's trying to do something. It's just, it's terrible. Are you talking about zero the hero? fucking rap? No, it ain't zero hero. There's a song on there. I think, I think it's the third what, song. What the trash? third song is disturbing the priest. Maybe it's I don't know. I don't know. There's this one on there where it sounds like he's trying to rap. I don't know which fucking song you're talking about. I don't know. I don't know, but he does have a sense of humor. I mean, down by the river where the where the heroes eat their eaten raw liver. Whatever it is. <laughs> That's Poss- another thing. Possibility, possibility. It's like, what? Yeah. The lyrics are, st- are stupid. And they feel like he just, 
wrote lyrics to just to anything. Like I, I have these li- old lyrics left over. Let me just sing it over this song. I don't. Do even you know how song. drunk he was when I he know, wrote but... these lyrics? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trash is based on a true story, by the way. I, I can tell that. Um, but you would think like the guy producing the album. This doesn't make sense. You, you got to go with the it. Was them? Yeah, <laughs> it was them and Robin Black. Yeah. But I yes. don't think Robin Black had any say. You know, you think Martin Birch would have let them get away with uh, that? Sabbath no. is very famous for their pranks, and they were usually against Bill Ward. However, Tony and Geezer actually almost killed Ian Gillen during the recording of this album. You guys ever heard about that? No. So Gillen was very into, uh, you know, natural living and nature and being outside at the time. So he had set up this huge tent with a cook shed and all this shit out next to the pond at Clearwell Castle. Well... Tony and Geezer got pretty drunk one night and decided to fuck with them. So they found a couple old pyrotechnic charges from a stage show in the basement, decided to light them off in the tent. Damn <laughs> near killed them and killed every fish in the pond with the shockwave. <laughs> and Ian couldn't hear for two days. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, keep it warm, Lord. Keep it warm, rat, till I'm by your side. Yeah, I mean, basically, the song is about him leaving his woman because he needs to sleep around. But keep it warm when I come back. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's kind of it's crazy that that song passed Tony Iommi's ex- inspection as far as lyrics, you know. But well, uh, I mean, uh, I I don't think it is, and also that's not how I interpret it song it sounds like he's going out on a trip or something never once does he mention sleeping around i mean oh I yeah he does i need to see thing. what's over that hill woman blah that, i mean you have to look no, at it when he know. says woman he's speaking to his woman anything could be over that hill you know it doesn't necessarily have to be another slice of pussy gillen's well, a little could, bit deeper than that if well, i'm maybe but he's, her, he's been you, married you, to the same woman for decades right now so well but, she passed away but, recently and, and, Oh, you're right. He should. But, yeah. but um, anyway, you know, and, and well, I think all of it sounds like a Sabbath record, with the exception of Keep It Warm. That, that's a little bit different. But then again, you know, fucking Air Dance. Um, but a- anyway, it, uh, it was very collaborative and there, there were compromises, you know, it was about everyone feeling comfortable within the band and that's who ian is and a lot of it isn't out of nowhere it's a lot of his humorous references are very idiosyncratic but um i think it fits it does Uh, yeah i agree i mean i like the album you know one thing that really pisses me off about this because it is my favorite sabbath album and i would give it a 10 out of 10 i i I think it's perfect but um you know people make all these fucking comments oh sabbath lord of doom and gloom and this and that yes fine whatever their lyrics were not always about evil shit the fucking devil you know those are really very few and far between geezer butler was a very varied lyricist i agree i agree you know, just a lot of this stuff isn't as out of place as people try to make it sound. Now, the one I will say that always bothered me is on the title track. Sitting in my room with the gray and plastic retards floating in circles. What in the fuck is he talking <laughs> No about? idea. No idea. But I like the title track because there's a gospel feel to it and parts of it, which I thought was interesting, you know. Oh, very interesting. And the way it builds to his yeah. screams and then comes back, it's very neat emotional trip. Yeah, I think he blew his voice out after that tour because he could oh, still he sing. But he could never do those <laughs> high pitch screams that Wayne hates so much. Anymore. Yeah. Now yeah. he just relies on head voice for like uh, higher pitch stuff. It's, it's not the same. I, I've seen Deep Purple twice since 2002. And, you know, he could still sing in tune, but he can't do those whales like he used to. One thing I want to mention, though, about uh, th- this lineup. <laughs> I heard that, Wayne. One thing <laughs> I want to mention about this lineup, the photo shoot that they did for this album. You couldn't find 
four different characters, three of them in black, two of them with leather jackets, one in a black blazer. And here's Ian Gillen with a fucking poncho. Like you think he's uh, the man, you know, the man with no name. A poncho <laughs> and a paisley headband. Like he just woke up after a dead concert. <laughs> Don't get it. Don't have to still love the album. I, I wish they had continued for at least one or two more personally. I was happy with the Deep Purple reunion because I love Deep Purple, but you know I would like to see one more. I would trade Perfect Strangers and all the rest of the shit they did in the 80s, that whole reunion, just to hear him sing Danger Zone from Seventh Star. I yeah, do love that album. I do too, and I think it would have been... Uh, that probably would have been more up Ian Gillen's alley, that kind of bluesy sound Naomi was going for on that album, but... well. The second I, half of that album, the first yeah. half of that record is Sunset Strip nonsense. But can I um, can I say something though? When I heard No Stranger to Love, I thought that was Ian Gillen when I was six years old. I didn't know that was Glenn Hughes. Because because Glenn Hughes that. and Ian Gillen's vocals are almost identical to a point. Oh, I um I mean I, I didn't hear Seven Star until later and certainly way after Born Again, but my dad was a big purple fan and I had taken all of those records um, and I really didn't, you know, sit and look at who was in the band on the different ones and all that. Yeah. But uh, first time I heard burn, I thought it was him. When I looked at the back of the record, finally years later, I'm like, who the fuck is Glenn Hughes? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's amazing is all those deep purple guys still sound pretty damn good, you know, local wise. Yeah. Yeah. Ian Gillen and David Coverdale. Coverdale's finally lost some of that power, but um, which is why they're not on that farewell tour right now. <laughs> well, I think Coverdale hired like a, a backup singer for him. He did. Yeah. Uh, and I admire that. He's it's not trying too. to fool anybody, you know? So I like that. All right. So should we just give our ratings? Wayne? Well, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> So first time I ever heard Born Again, just to give you guys some context, I, I knew the original lineup of Sabbath, loved it. Um, I may have heard, well, I'd heard the mob rules because I had seen heavy metal and all that, but a friend of mine who lived a couple doors down, he was just giving a bunch of his old records away. I'm like, oh, sweet Sabbath album. I never heard of him. I'm looking at him. Ian Gillen, this is interesting. Dude, I threw that on and it just fucking comes roaring out of there with so much power. I mean, just like they sound rebirthed on Heaven and Hell, they sound like it again on Born Again. And even Naomi's guitar tone on this just has this sinister biting edge to it that goes with Gillen's vocals so well. I agree with that. And I mean, it's just amazing. There, there are certainly other records they've done that are equal to it, but I mean, it just knocked it out of the fucking park, man. I mean, some of his best guitar playing ever, all of them, some of their best playing ever. I mean, they, they sound at home and like they were having a great time. And you give it a 10 out of 10? Oh, 10 out of 10. It, it totally changed my life. It was one of the most unhinged cool things i had ever heard like that it's just this spectacular oral journey it takes you on ah, love the album uh, what do you, Lou, you never what? say die oh yeah good question thank you Lou. uh never say die i can't give it higher than a seven out of ten because i really do like it but it's just a little too disjointed i mean it it's not a terrible album. It just needed more. I agree. All right. Um, I'll give Never Say Die an 8 out of 10. And I'll give uh, Born Again a uh, 10 out of 10. And uh, with that being said, I got to go because uh, 15 years married today. So <laughs> happy, anniversary. happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Right. Good happy anniversary. Thanks, hotline. guys. And th thanks for doing an episode uh, on my recommendation. After this, two and a half years, about time. Okay, we'll last time. Uh, Bye, guys. <laughs> Sorry about Bye. that. It's all good. Love you guys. Peace. Love you too. See it. All right. Never I'll give my all right, Go ahead. I'll give my rating, then you give yours, and I guess you got another interview. All right. So I'm gonna give Never Say Die seven out of ten. 
I like it, but it's a bit disjointed, as people, you guys have said. Um, it's not bad. It's not great, but I admire the experimentation. So I'll give it that. Born Again, I was 13 years old when it came out. I loved it. Hard rock and heavy metal hadn't changed. There was no thrash yet. Keep that in mind. Pop metal, hair metal, whatever you want to call that shit, which I did like. I'm not selling it down the river. It was an infancy. Motley Crue had only released Shout at the Devil and Too Fast for Love. Out of the cellar, Led Zeppelin was gone. So believe it or not, Born Again was probably the heaviest album outside of Motorhead. And those bands I had were starting to discover that year, Raven, Merciful Fate, because of magazines. So to me, it had a huge impact. And I still love the album to this day. So I give it a 10 out of 10. Wayne. Damn, what am I missing on this album? I don't, I don't know what I'm not getting. I'm giving it a two. <laughs> what? I at least like one song. <laughs> uh. Uh. Oh, my heart. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and um, never say dad. I'm going to give a five because I, I at least like two songs on there. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm about to join Tina Turner. Oh, my <laughs> <heart>. <laughs> I'm coming home, Elizabeth. I'm coming home. Oh. oh, God. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I gotta hear. It. You get send me the the uh, different mix, and I want to see if there's a difference. I will. I mean, it 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 is still very raw, but it doesn't have the muted tinny sound that the mm. finished album does. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely some tinniness going on in there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the tinniness is the huge problem. It's the only problem. You know what's funny? It, <laughs> it, uh, it, it doesn't really bother me all that much yeah. when it comes listening to it. I mean, yes, the manor tapes do sound better, but um, I never really it, it bothered me all that much. It's, it's funny, too, because there are a lot of albums that I like, especially like like the early Misfits albums. They sound like total shit, but there's good songs in there, so it doesn't matter. You know, I, I don't really care about production all the time. It really depends on the music. This one, it's just it's between the production and an Ian Gillen and the songs not being that good to me. I, they just don't click with me. I just can't get into it. Understood. So, you're so, wrong, but I guess I, yeah, yeah, you're you're, you're I'm, wrong. I mean, I will not forget these outrages I've suffered today, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll be forgiven at this point. Um, so yeah, but sorry. You know, you know it, it, it was funny when you uh, said something about uh, Hotline or keep it warm and wanting to laugh because the album that follows this Seventh Star, the first mm -hmm. time I ever heard the opening track with. Glenn Hughes and his ridiculous over the top all over the place. I burst out fucking laughing. I was like, seriously? Black <laughs> said, what the hell happened? See, I got to listen to that album again. I haven't heard that in a long time. All right. Well, gentlemen, I guess that's it. That's it. Next week, right. I don't know what we're that's doing. It. We can cut it, but uh, Wayne, if you got a couple minutes when we're done with this before you have to do your interview, I got to show you something else I picked up recently. Yes, I will. I have some time. I actually have uh, about 45 minutes. Oh, no, I, I got some time. Uh, RatsoundReview.com. Hit subscribe, and we will see you next week. Indeed. Later. Until then, go listen to some Black Sabbath. That's right. Goodbye. <laughs>